Well, glad to have you here today. This is our third part in our Transform series. We, the band just saying that we'd love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Today we're going to be talking about mental health. How do we love God with all our mind? The title of the sermon is Changing Your Life by Changing the Way You Think. Our key verse for this uh, series has been Romans 12 too. Uh, the New Living Translation puts it this way. Let's read it out loud together. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is far more interested in changing your mind than he is in changing your circumstances. We always want God to change our circumstances. We want him to take away the problem, take away the pain, take away the sickness, the sorrow, uh, the suffering. Uh, God says, you know, I know that's important to you. But he says, I'm more interested in changing your mind than your circumstances. Why? Because real transformation, real life change, you become a new person by changing the way you think. And if you change someone's circumstances but you don't change their mind, guess what happens? They go right out and recreate the exact same circumstances all over again. They'll be right back in debt, they'll be right back in a bad relationship, right back to what they were doing before, because if you only change the circumstances, you haven't changed their mind. And real change happens when you change the way you think. So today I want to give you three reasons why I must manage my mind. Write these down in your uh, outline or in your little workbooks. Number one, I must manage my mind because my thoughts control my life. Every action begins as a thought. If you don't think it, it doesn't happen. If it's a good thought, you do good. If it's a bad thought, you do bad. But for good or for bad, my thoughts control my life. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. People say, oh, I just thought it. Well, The Bible says that your thoughts have a tremendous power to shape your life for good or for bad. And the thought doesn't even have to be true. If you believe it, true or not, it's going to shape your life, both for good and bad, because your thoughts control your life. Second, I need to manage my mind because the mind is the battleground for sin. Temptation happens in the mind. We think temptation is something external, something out there. We think, oh, that thing is tempting me. But it wouldn't tempt you if there wasn't a desire inside your mind. All temptation begins in your mind. In fact, sin often occurs in your mind. The sins of pride, lust, bitterness, anger, fear, resentment, uh, worry, uh, envy. Where do those happen? They all happen in the mind. The battleground for sin is in your mind. Uh, Look at Romans 7.22. Paul says, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something deep within me that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. You see the intensity of the language? This is battleground. This is war language. War, fight, slave, enslaved. There is a battle raging in your brain 24 hours a day. 
Sometimes you're conscious of it, sometimes you're not conscious of it. But the battle for sin rages in your mind. Third reason I need to manage my mind. Because it's the key to peace and happiness. Whoever wins the battle establishes the peace. To the victor go the spoils. So whoever wins, an unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence and contentment. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. A managed mind leads to strength and security and and serenity. Uh, Romans 8, 6. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Two opposite outcomes, death or life and peace. So I want us to look at three daily choices that you have to make in order to have a healthy mind. A lot of people say, oh, I just can't control my thoughts. My thoughts are uncontrollable. No, you can control your thoughts. You don't have to be thinking what you're thinking. You can change your mind. Nobody's forcing you to think it. You can think something else. And so if I want to have a healthy mind, there are three choices I need to make every day. On your notes, first one, I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind, not with trash, but with truth. Jesus said it like this. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is right here in the Word of God. I mean, this is the truth. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. The Bible is our mental health food, and we need to feed on truth. Now, when should I feed my mind on truth? The answer is morning, noon, and night. You need a steady diet of truth throughout the day to have a healthy mind. Now, there are hundreds of examples of this in Scripture. I'm going to give you three from the life of David out of uh, Psalms. Psalm 119, 147. Let's read this together. I rise early to cry out for help and to put my hope in your words. He says, every morning I get up early, I cry out in prayer, I read your word to find hope. If you feel hopeless in your situation, you're not feeding on enough of God's word. If you feel hopeless, are you starting your day with hope or are you starting your day with despair? In the next verse, he says, Lord, how I love your word. I think about it when? All day long. All day long. Psalm 16, 7, he says, Even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. So early in the morning, all day long, even in the dark of night, David is thinking about God's truth. That's why David is called a man after God's own heart. Now let me give you one example of how serious David was about God's word. David spent, I told you this last week, David spent a lot of his life uh, running for his life. Because the king that he was going to replace wanted to kill him. So David lived as a fugitive on the run for years. Years. Hiding in caves, in the wilderness, moving from place to place. Every day David woke up and thought, is this going to be the day they're going to catch me and kill me? And so Psalm 119, verse 95, he says, When wicked people hide to ambush and kill me. He's not speaking metaphorically here, people. This isn't hyperbole. This is real. Wicked people are waiting to ambush and kill me. What does he do? I quietly keep my mind on your decrees. 
David says, even when people are trying to kill me, I'm thinking on God's word. I feed my mind daily on the truth. Number two, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be liberated. It needs to be freed. It needs to be delivered, released, redeemed, because you are a prisoner of your own thoughts. And it doesn't matter whether they're true or not. If you believe it, it affects your life. So I've got to free my mind from destructive thoughts. And that's not easy because there are three enemies who are trying to control your mind. In fact, they are trying to infect your mind with destructive thoughts. And so there is a battle that rages for you to free your mind. Now, who are the enemies? Well, we're familiar with them. The number one enemy is my old nature. Romans 7.23, Paul describes how his old nature keeps him in mental bondage. I see in my body a principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside me. I mean, do you ever find yourself doing something that you really didn't want to do? That's the battle for your mind. Did you ever find yourself engaging in self-destructive behavior? I know this isn't good for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's a battle for your mind. Your old sin nature and your new nature. Your new nature has the best intentions, but your old nature is pulling you back to the old way of thinking, back to your old habits. Romans 8, 5. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. I mean, you may have good intention to change something in your life, but your old nature is going to fight you on it, and the battle is going to take place right here, right here in the mind. Your second enemy is Satan. Satan wants to control your life, therefore he wants to control your mind. But he can't. He can't. So instead, he has to send ideas, impressions, Uh, influences into your life, thoughts into your mind. Now, Satan cannot force you to do anything. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. Greater in you is he than he who is in the world. And so Satan can't get you, can't force you to do anything. But he can make suggestions. And he can influence. And those suggestions and those influences are very, very powerful. Part of the reason they're powerful is because it is a constant barrage of negative thoughts into your mind. And he'll use other people, he'll use the media, television, books, movies, he'll use anything to just flood your mind with negative thoughts. Have you ever been praying? While you are praying, all of a sudden, you think the wildest, weirdest thought. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. What happened? Satan just dropped a thought bomb in the battle for your mind. That's what's happening. And and that's why you don't believe everything you think. You know, you have all these ideas, and often you think, well, I thought it, it must be true. But that thought may have come from your old sin nature, it may have come from the devil. I don't have to believe everything I think. That one truth right there could put you on on the path to mental health. If you just overcome that. You're going to talk more about that in your small group. It's going to be great. But Satan puts these thoughts in your mind. And he starts giving you all these reasons why you need to give in to temptation and give up on God. He is constantly dropping thought bombs in the battle for your mind. Third enemy, world's value system. The world itself, the world's value system is at odds with God. 
God's going one way, the world is going another. And the world promotes its agenda through advertising, through the media, through movies, television, books, songs, celebrities. The world is actually encouraging you not to live a responsibly, mentally healthy life. It's not. 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. And so all the commercials, all the media, all the culture, they're encouraging you to, to, uh, not to think smart, not to think healthy, not to think wisely. They're encouraging you to do the exact opposite. So how do you fight this battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil? How do you fight the battle for your mind? Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power. Circle that phrase, divine power, to demolish strongholds. Circle demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Notice argument, pretension, knowledge. It's all in here. Okay, We demolish that. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I know this is warfare language. He's talking about the battle raging in your mind. He says, we demolish strongholds. Now, what's a stronghold? A spiritual stronghold is any lie that you believe. And the lie might be that God really doesn't love me. The my the lie might be that I know what's best for me better than God knows what's best for me. The lie might be, well, I should do what I want to do, not what the Word of God tells me to do. Uh, anything that I believe that's a lie is a spiritual stronghold in my life. It can be a personal attitude that I have. I, I can never forgive that person. That's a stronghold. I could never forgive myself for this. That's a stronghold. I, I, I'll never amount to anything. That's a stronghold. It's a lie that you believe. I can never break free from this habit or this addiction. It's just the way I am. That's a lie. It's a stronghold. It's a lie you're believing. And if you're going to be mentally healthy, you've got to demolish the strongholds. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies. Jesus says, I am the truth, and the truth sets you free. Satan is a liar who wants to enslave you. Jesus is the truth who wants to free you. And so the strongholds need to be demolished. How do we fight this battle? First, he says, we take captive. We take captive every thought. Take captive there. It's the Greek word means to conquer, like you conquer a city in battle. You control the city. Uh, the second phrase, we make it obedient. We make every thought obedient to Christ. But the word there is, is you bring it into submission. You conquer every thought, bring it into submission to Christ. He's talking about how do you make your mind mind. I, mean, I don't know about you, but my thoughts often disobey me. I mean, my mind has a mind of its own, and it often rebels. I mean, I'm preparing for this message. My mind doesn't want to study. It wants to wander off and think about the World Series. You know, when I need to ponder, my mind wants to wander. When I need to pray, my mind strays away. Anybody else, anybody identify with that? Yeah, I mean, it's a battle. And Paul says the way you win that is you must take your thoughts 
captive. You've got to conquer them and bring them into the obedience, bring them into submission under Jesus Christ. What he's really saying here is, is you have a choice. You have to choose to do this. God gave you a mind, a will, and emotions. Next week, we're going to talk about emotional health. Don't you love this series? Talk about emotional health. Yeah. But God gave you a mind, and he gave you a will. And part of the function of the will is to bring the mind under control, specifically under the control of Christ. And a lot of people are ineffective in life. They fail at life. They don't enjoy life because they've never learned how to win the battle for the mind. They're just defeated all the time. But if you're going to win the battle for the mind, you need to know how temptation works. James 1, 14, 15 lays out a predictable pattern of temptation. Uh, people talk like, oh, it just caught me off guard. Oh, I was so surprised by that and I fell into temptation. No, no, no. There is a predictable pattern for temptation. And there were lots of things you gave into before you gave in to the temptation. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. Then the evil actions lead to death. See, it's a process. This, then this, then this, then this. Phase number one, temptation starts with desire. If you don't have a desire for something, it is not a temptation. You know, there are things that other people struggle with that hold no allure to me. Same is true with you. You ever see somebody really struggling with something and you think, why in the world would they even want to do that in the first place? Well, it holds no allure for you. There's no desire. And temptation always starts with an internal desire. You know, it doesn't start out there. It doesn't start on the TV or the computer screen or in the bookstore or the bakery. The, the temptation starts in here, in here. It starts with a desire. And it often begins with a natural desire. It's not even an evil desire. I mean, you have a natural desire for food. You have a natural desire for companionship, affection, love, and sex. You have a natural desire to thrive and succeed. Those are all God-given drives. The drive to achieve, the drive for sex, the drive to survive. Those, those are normal drives and there's nothing wrong with them. Temptation turns routine drives into runaway drives. Temptation takes something good and spins it out of control. Any desire out of control is destructive. You know, Satan cannot create. He cannot create. He can't even create evil. All Satan can do is corrupt. All he can do is take the good things that God has created and corrupt them for evil. You know, fire in a fireplace can warm a room up. Fire in a cook stove can cook a great meal. Fire out of control burns the house down. You know, all of God's gifts, misused and abused, will burn your house down. So often, temptation is an attempt to fulfill a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. But if there's no desire, then there's no temptation. So you need to come to understand what your desires are so you can learn how to control them. Second step, step two in temptation, is doubt you begin to doubt two things. You begin to doubt that God loves you, and you begin to doubt that God really does know what's best for you. I mean, did God really say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? Did, did God really say that I need to forgive that person instead of get even? 
Did God really say that it's more blessed to give than it is to take? You start doubting God's word. We see this in the very first temptation with Adam and Eve. I mean, God put Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. He put them in paradise. I mean, think about it. No clothes, no kids. (laughs) Satan comes along and says, see that tree over there? Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? See what he's doing? He's introducing doubt. He's getting them to doubt God's word. And then he says, God knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be as smart as he is. Now he's getting you to doubt that God loves you, that God has your best interest in heart. He makes you think, God's holding out on me. God is denying me something that I would really enjoy. Every time you give in to a temptation, you're believing a lie. You, you think you know better than God. You think you know what will make you happy more than he does, and that is not true. And so there's the desire, and then there's the doubt. Did God really say that? Does God really love me? Isn't God being a little prudish about this? On and on and on, doubting God, doubting his word. Third step is deception, outright deception. Satan replaces God's truth with a lie. He says, you won't die if you eat this. But God said, you will surely die if you eat this. God said you can eat of every other tree in the garden, every other tree except this one tree, one tree. It's the minimum amount of temptation possible. But Adam and Eve fall for it. Their desire causes them to doubt, and they believe the deception. Now notice that James says temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. Circle the word lure. That's a fishing term. It means I am enticed with bait. Any of you fishermen? Any fishermen in here? Okay. Yeah, some of you are. A good fisherman knows that the key to fishing is you've got to use the right bait. Bass hit on bait, different, a different bait than catfish. Catfish hit on different bait than trout. I mean, how many fish are you going to catch with a bare hook? None. You've got to put some bait on there, and you've got to have the right bait to catch the right fish. You've got to have a lure with the hook. What kind of bait does Satan use for you? He knows the right bait. He keeps coming back to the right bait to catch you every time. It may be something that a parent said to you a long time ago, but Satan knows if he casts that out in front of you, immediately you're going to get depressed, you're going to get bitter, you're going to get angry, you're going to get whirled. Satan sets the hook. I got her. Use the right bait. This phase is deception because we know there's a hook there, but we still keep nibbling. We know there's a hook, but we nibble away. It's like people who flirt in the office. I mean, how foolish is that? You know there's only one way it's going to go, bad. And yet you keep doing it anyway. You keep nibbling. You're deceived by the lure, and you get caught by the hook. Happens all the time. Now, anybody who's gone fishing knows that lures can be pretty flashy. I mean, the flashier the lure, the more it gets the fish's attention. Oh, what's that? It's flashy. It's shiny. Oh, it's a casino. (laughs) You ever notice that? You're driving along middle of nowhere, driving along the interstate, and all of a sudden, ooh, what's that? All the lights and all that. Well, wow. You know, it's never a hospital. It's never a church. It's always a casino. (laughs) 
No, that's glitzy, that's glamorous. You know, who pays for all that glitz and glamour? The suckers who go inside, that's who pay for all that. Next time you're tempted to go to the casino, just give me the money. I'll tell you, you lost. <laughs> and then I'll give you a tax-deductible receipt for it, and we'll do something good with it, okay? But yeah, yeah. Temptation always, always looks better. But there's a hook. There's a hook in it. Step four is disobedience and defeat. What begins in the mind gets translated into movement. It, it turns into motion, action. And I'll have people say to me, oh, what danger is there in, in a, a little harmless fantasy? Well, the danger is fantasy is not harmless. It's not harmless. Write this down. Write this down somewhere. What I flirt with, I'll fall for. What I flirt with, I'll fall for. The battle starts in the mind. And you are free to choose anything in life. God made you with the free will. You are free to make your choices. But you are not free from the consequences of those choices. The moment you make the choice, you have given up your freedom because you are not free from the consequences, intended or unintended. You're not free from the consequences of that choice. And so the best time to win the battle of the mind, the best time to win the battle with temptation, is before it ever begins. You want to win it clear back here at desire. You want to, clear it, you want to win it right in here. That's why Psalm 119 and verse 112. Let's read this. Read this out loud. Read this one like you mean it. I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. I have made up my mind it is a choice it's a choice that you have to make uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to feed my mind on trash I'm going to feed it on truth I'm not going to believe the destructive thoughts and fall for the temptations that come my way no I'm not going to but it's not enough just to, to, to empty your mind of those things you need to fix your mind on something else and this is crucial number three I must focus my mind on the right things for, for my mental health, I must fix my mind on the right things. What are the right things? Three of them. Number one, think about Jesus. And I know that sounds trite. I know that sounds simplistic. But it is powerful, profoundly powerful. Because you become like what you think about the most. And if you think about Jesus, guess what you're going to become like? You're going to become like Jesus. It's just, it's just a law of nature. Hebrews 12, 3. Think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. When you feel like you're ready to give up on God, when you feel like you're ready to give in on sin, you need to think about Jesus. Because he stayed the course when wicked people were doing evil things to him. And if he can stay the course, he's your model. He'll help you stay the course as well. Think about Jesus. Next, I need to think about others. Philippians 2.4. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. Just think about others. I mean, you realize how countercultural that is? I mean, everything in our culture tells you to think about yourself because they know the power of that message. You know, have it your way. You deserve a break today. Obey your thirst. See what's going on there? Yeah, it's all about me. Oh, I've got to look out for number one. I've got to do what's best for me. No, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24, let us think about each other and help each other to show love 
and do good deeds. Let's think about each other. Let's help each other. Love one another. Let's help each other. Do good things. Great place to practice that's in your small group. Think about Jesus. Think about others. Third thing, think about eternity. The problem today is short-term thinking. We don't even think about tomorrow. All we think about is we want to live in the now. It's all about now. Colossians 3, 2. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. King James Version says, set your mind on things above. I love that. Set your mind on things above. You ever hear the saying, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good? Yeah. You know what? That's, that's not true. In fact, I think that is a lie from Satan to diffuse and dilute your effectiveness. Because if you think about it, the, the people who do the most good here on earth are the people who are the most heavenly minded. I mean, throughout history, that's been the case. It's not the earthly-minded people who do the most good here on earth. It's heavenly-minded people who do the most for good here on earth. I mean, think about it. You ever heard of a hospital named for an atheist? You know, they're all St. Mary's, St. Jude, St. Luke, St. Joseph, St. Research. I mean, they're just all named for these heavenly, heavenly people. You know, he's so heavenly-minded, he's no earthly good. It's just not true. The problem is the opposite. We're so earthly-minded, we're no heavenly good. You know, all we think about is budget and bills and business and baseball and, and earthly stuff like that. 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Imagine eternity. Start thinking about eternity. And all the temptations of, of earth seem so inferior compared to the glory, to the pleasure, the reward, the joy that we have looked to for, forward to in eternity. I mean, I focus my mind on Jesus. I focus my mind on other people. I set my mind on, on things above on e in eternity. And when I'm focused on those things, I can win the battle for my mind. I can win the battle. It is simple. It is not easy. It is not easy. But you can do it. You can do it. Not in your own strength. No. You do it by trusting in Jesus Christ. If you're going to demolish strongholds, you've got you to go to the person who's already won the war. And that's Jesus. You've got to take every thought captive and you bring it under submission of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key, not you. You let the mind of Christ Settle in and lead and guide you. Let the truth of Christ set you free. That's how it happens. Let's pray together. Father, we are made in your image, and you gave us our minds. Greatest gift you've ever given us was a gift of intellect. It's our greatest asset, and it's our greatest battleground. God, we realize the world, the flesh, and the devil want to team up and destroy our best intentions. So would you just pray today, just pray, God, help me to put into practice what I've just learned. Help me to make these choices on a daily basis throughout the day. I want to feed my mind with truth morning, noon, and night. I want to free my mind from destructive thoughts. I'm going to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm not going to let my mind run wild. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to control it. 
God, help me to be wise to temptation, to realize desire turns to doubt, to deception, to disobedience. God, help me to recognize every stage of that and to bring the Word of God, the truth of God to bear and to win the battle early, early so I won't be defeated. God, today I'm going to make up my mind to obey your Word forever, no matter what. And to do that, I'm going to think on Jesus, I'm going to think about other people, and I'm going to think about eternity. God, help us to do this, for we ask it in Jesus' name.